Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, it's been a few weeks since I got the opportunity to carry on, and, and I want to just quickly recap over, uh, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount not the Sermon of the Amount, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're looking at uh, the priorities that Jesus laid out for us in this very, very powerful message that he gave. This sermon's been preached millions and millions of times around the world. And uh, today we get the privilege of looking at Jesus' profound words. And we start off with one of the most well-known scriptures in the New Testament, Matthew six thirty-three, But seek ye first... The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. In my first installment, we talked about God wanting to prioritize our focus. Seek first. That doesn't mean second. That means God's not allowed to come third, fourth, or fifth within your life. He wants to be first place. He wants priority. He wants honor. And when we give God the honor and the priority within our life, you will be amazed what will happen as you begin to focus your life around the one who gave his life for you. So in the first mission, I talk about prioritizing your focus, becoming single-eyed for Jesus. Jesus said, when your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. Seek first the kingdom of God as we make God's business our business and place that as first priority. I also talked about uh, prioritizing our treasure. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But where your treasure is, it indicates where our heart is. What are the things that we treasure? What are the things that we value? Our heart always follows our treasure. Hello. Our heart always follows our treasure. And this, of course, Jesus was relating to all these things. What things? He'd just been talking about, he'd been talking about food. He'd been talking about clothing, what you wear. He'd been talking about shelter, having a roof over your heads. These are the things that he was referring to, all these things. And when we prioritize the kingdom in our life, Jesus made a radical promise to us. He said, all these things you won't have to seek after, they're going to be added to your life. What a promise that is. And so today I want to talk about the final installment of this part of spiritual alignment. And this is what this is all about. This is all about what can happen in a life where we synchronize, where we align ourselves with the Word of God and the ways of God, seeking first the kingdom of God within our life, the promises that are available to us as followers of Jesus. And so I want to talk about prioritizing trust, trust in God, faith in God, and swapping it out for all your worries and anxieties and concerns that right now is plaguing the world as it has never done in the, in the history of the world. All around the world, psychologists, psychiatrists are blowing a large trumpet and saying, we have an epidemic in this generation. It's called anxiety. People are having panic attacks, left, right, and center. People are worried about the smallest of things that can trigger these panic attacks. 
So we have a major issue, and that's why, no secret to us, that's why Jesus covered these things off. And so we're going to talk about all these things that we get so anxious about, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live. He said, all these things, you don't have to be anxious about them. I'm going to add them into your life. If you will prioritize trust, have faith in me, over worry, you'll find that your life will take a turn for the better. Amen? The word worry is only mentioned a very small amount of times in the New Testament. And six of the eight times it's mentioned is in the Sermon of the Mount. So Jesus really nailed it. Why did he nail it? Because he knows that all of us struggle with this subject today. We all struggle with worry. We all struggle. And, and, and if it says, um, don't be anxious, don't be worried about anything, then most of us have broken that commandment within our lives. And probably one of the hardest commandments for any Christian to keep is hakuna matata. <laughs> don't be worried about these things that will so often crowd in on your life. The word worry means to be concerned about. It means to be anxious. It means to be overly distracted and focused on the wrong things. And it's actually a, it's a, actually a very good litmus test. It's actually a very good indicator of where our relationship with the Father is. If you find yourself plagued with worry, then it's just like when your wheels on your car start to wobble, when you have a look at the tread pattern on your vehicle and you see the wheels chewed out on the inside or the outside, you know you've got a problem, you're out of alignment, you need a wheel alignment. And when we're worrying all the time, we need a, an alignment with God. It's, a, it's an indicator that's not all as well with the faith and trust factors in our relationship with Jesus. Can I hear an amen this morning? There's an ancient saying that says this, if you want to defeat them, distract them. And I think the devil's read that one because he's very, very good at bringing distractions into our life that cause many defeats in our life. And it's interesting Worry, uh, the English word worry comes from a German origin, and it, it literally means to strangle or to choke. So when you're plagued with worry, you're getting choked. The breath of God is getting strangled out of you. And it's, and it's no wonder that we find ourselves at time battling so deep like quicksand with worry about our minds that we're literally feeling like we're spiritually being strangled. Can anyone relate to that this morning? And that's why uh, faith and worry cannot coexist together. One pushes the other out. You'll find that. There can be no equilibrium around our lives. If you allow worry to come rushing in the door, then faith will exit very quickly because it's the way that it works. It consumes our mind, and whatever consumes our mind will turn our steps in the direction that we walk today. So, Jesus gave us some answers in the previous two verses. He said, so don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Which we so often do. Listen to this, verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already 
knows all your needs. The King James puts it real harsh. It says, these things, these things are how the heathen operate. This is a nice, bit of a nicer version. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So it's like this church. This is how it works. Before you met Christ, you were, wondering, you were working under a different operating system. And in that operating system within your life, your thought life was often dominated by fears, worries, and anxieties. That you're concerned about the smallest of issues within your life. But Jesus said, I've come to bring you a new operating system. He said, I've come that you need to no longer be concerned. And here's the antidote for your life today. You need to understand that you have a heavenly Father who loves you, who knows about everything that you need. And we're going to discover later on, if we know how to give, give good gifts to our children, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give the things that we need within our life? This is the new realm of operating as a follower of Christ, that we no longer concern ourselves with the food, the drink, the clothing, the shelter issues within our life, because we know we have a daddy who looks after us, a good, good father who takes care of us, and we live in under that operating system. But it's so easy for us to get hooked back in to the other operating system and find ourselves being plagued with anxiety within our lives. So Jesus is saying to us that without Christ, you're going to have a natural tendency to be overwhelmed by anxious thoughts and worry. But when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a son and a daughter that has open access to Abba, Father, Daddy God, who's a good, good father, who knows about everything that you need. And if you'll prioritize, trust over worry, all these things that you're worried about are going to be added unto you. What do you think about that, church? There's an amen in my spirit about that today. It's getting back to restoring the trust links that we have with the Father and recognizing and realizing when the devil's doing a job on you and on your mind to take you away from the fact that you have a good, good Father who's watching out and looking out. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And let me make a statement this morning. When we worry, we're acting like we're orphans. When we worry, we're acting like we're orphans. Like we don't have a father. Because Jesus said your father's going to take care of it. So when you worry, you're acting like you don't have a father. We certainly have one today. And he's gone to extreme lengths to pay the price so that you no longer have to worry within your life that you can be connected with him. And so what we do, we're acting like if it's to be, it's up to me. Hello. We're acting like if it's to be, it's up to me. That's self-help counseling 101. That's not biblical counseling. If it's to be, if it's to be, it's up to what Melanie's just showing us in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day 
our daily bread, requesting for those things that the Father knows that we need, and they'll be provided for you. Can I hear an amen this morning? And so the reason why we mess up today, he follows on in 6.33 to 34. That's amazing how that follows 33. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble. Whoa. Come on, each day has enough trouble of its own, let alone you thinking about tomorrow, the next day, next week, next year. And so Jesus is saying to us, listen, if you will prioritize me, if you will place me in first place, not second, third or fourth, if you'll give me the highest place and the highest honor within your life, then I'm going to take care of every need that you have within your life. I know about every need. I'm going to take care of every need that you have within your life. And you don't need to spend energy on past regrets that you're now projecting into your future because this happened to you a few years ago and now anxiety is mounting up because you think it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Jesus said, live in the now, like Sue preached last week. Live in the present, live in the now, and understand I'm right there with you. I am that I am. One of the great names of God. I am the great I am. I'm right there with you in your present situation. You do not need to waste emotional energy. Worry has never changed anything. Worry is worthless. Worry is a form of control. It imprisons us. We get restricted by our movements. We get restricted by what we're going to do tomorrow because we're so consumed with this avalanche of worry that it literally controls our lives. We, think, we often think to ourselves that if we worry about our kids, they'll be safer. Being there as a father, being there as a parent. But you know what? Worry has no effect. Worry can't change the past. Worry can't control the future. Worry can only mess up today, and it can only make you unhappy today. Phew. Every moment of your life that you spend on worry is wasted time. It's never going to change anything in your world today. I put it like this. Worry is a little bit like a rocking chair. It's a lot of motion and commotion, but there's no forward progress. That's me up there when I have my beard. That's me up there. It's a lot of motion and commotion, but you're just going backwards and forwards, staying in the same spot. Worry is not helping you to progress your life or move you forward. What is worry? You're taking notes. You might want to write this down. Worry is focusing on my fears instead of focusing on God. Worry is feeding your fears instead of allowing God to feed your spirit with his word and with his presence. Amen? So, you know, stop focusing on what you don't want. We often say, right, I'm going to give up smoking, I'm going to give up smoking, I'm, going to, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke. So we're focusing on what we don't want to do instead of focusing on what we need to do. We need to change the channel. We need to switch it up. We need to allow God to be the focus of our lives. We need to put him first within our lives, seek you first in our lives. Make him number one priority within your life, and you'll find that things like freedom from addictions will be broken over your life. 
Freedom from anxiety, freedom from worry will be broken. Because why? Because you've forged stronger links and relationship with the Father who knows everything that you need. Why is it that we do anything that has addictions? Because we feel that it's meeting an unmet need within our heart. The problem is that addictions are deceptive. All they do is just take us down instead of actually solving the problem. So let's change channel. Let's refocus. And here's three simple things that I can give you this morning to kill worry within your life. Number one, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. This is relationship with God. Like our drama this morning, prayer can be just a religious habit for us. And if we, God were to break in on our prayer one day, we would be shocked. <laughs> Excuse me, Lord, I'm still praying. He wants to speak to us. He wants to, he wants to meet those unmet needs that are causing anxiety within our life. Philippians 4, Apostle Paul puts it like this. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. That's emphatic. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be worried about anything. But what? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let me tell you a great antidote to worry is when you get in your prayer closet, begin stating the facts of all the great things that God has done in and through your life. And begin to give thanks to the Lord. And you know what will happen? Your spirit will grow. Your spirit will expand as you begin to thank God and also pray about those things that are trying to invade your thought life and invade every area of your life. And he said, let your requests be made known to God. And this is what the promise is. And the peace of God that passes all human understanding will keep your heart and your minds in Christ. Peace is the umpire that lets us know whether we're actually walking in relationship with God or whether we're relying on our own strength. When the peace disappears, friends, we're taking the journey on our own. And God doesn't want us to walk that journey on our own. He said, I'm going to promise you the shalom of God, the well-being, the wholesome nature of God, everything that God is, that's going to be your portion. Peace will invade your heart, whereas instead of being anxious, everything goes back to the Father. And you're talking, you're sharing, you're communing with your heart to Him, your good, good heavenly Father, who knows you need all these things. And as a result of that, peace. Anyone remember what it was like when you first met Jesus Christ and your life had been filled with anxiety and worry and all sorts of problems and issues? The one thing that really got me in my uh, first few months of walking with Christ was the incredible peace that flooded my soul. It was there every night, every day, every midday. It was present in my life. And I, it was like I just was, I was hugging that peace. I didn't want it to leave my life. So when it leaves, that's the umpire, the Holy Spirit, blowing the whistle and saying, hey, you've lost your peace. What is this worry that needs to be brought to the Father and left with the Father to take the worry off your heart and off your mind? Worry doesn't work. It's Stewing without doing. It's stewing without doing. So don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, Jesus gave a story, and he told us to ask, and it will be given. Seek, 
and you will find knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Listen to this, verse 9 of Matthew 7. What man is there among you? If his son asks for a bread, he'll give him a stone? Huh? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent? Huh? Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is where the link needs to be strengthened. Understand the character and the nature of your heavenly Father, your dad, your Abba Daddy Father God. Understand his care for you. Understand his love for you. Understand he's not going to leave you in lack. Understand he's going to fulfill those needs because that's what he's promised to do. And if we know how to give good gifts to our children as earthly parents, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give good gifts to those who ask Him today. Hallelujah. Number two, we need to slow down and sit at the feet of Jesus. You say, I don't have time for that. If you don't have time for that, you don't have time for God. We often say, I don't have time, but that's an excuse. We all get the same amount of time every day, every week. Make time. Make time. That means carve it out of your schedule. I literally put my devotions every day on my calendar. Why do I do that? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget? No. Because my flesh wants to run from the presence of God, and I'm going to force my flesh to be still and know that I am God and make time with God. And when that calendar beeps on me, I know this is father and son time. This is time to get together with the Father. We all know the story of Mary and Martha. Mary was the spiritual one. Martha was the one running around. And let me just read a couple of verses from Luke 10. But Martha was distracted. There it is again. Martha was distracted. How do we get distracted? Because we allow anxiety to consume our mind. And we suddenly stop focusing on the things that matter. And we start focusing on the things that don't matter, that can never change one iota. Jesus said, How, worry cannot change one cubit of your stature. In other words, it can have no physical profound effect on your life. You're wasting your time when we worry. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Here we go. When Jesus says your name twice in a row, yep, here we go. Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. Hit the nail on the head. Martha, Martha. It's like, Martha, Martha. You are worried and you are distracted about Many things, troubled. Listen to this. Here's the answer. But one thing is needed. I've got the answer for you, Martha. One thing is needed. What's that, Jesus? Mary has chosen that one good thing. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. What did Mary do? 
As everybody else was so busy running around, she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his word and allowed time with God to reorientate and recenter her world. There was no room for worry and anxiety and troubled waters to hit Mary's heart because she chose the good part, the one thing that is needed, she chose. And as a result of that, Martha and Mary were like from two, these are siblings, but they're like from two different families. Isn't that amazing how brothers and sisters can be so different? And yet he says, he's, he's saying this to her. He's saying, Martha, your distractions, your worries, and your troubles will be solved if you choose the one thing that's needed. Sit at my feet. Take time apart. And of course, Jesus modeled that his whole ministry life. 48 times in the New Testament, it says Jesus went away to pray. Isn't that incredible? He modeled to his disciples when things were getting tough in his ministry, when people wanted to kill him several times. There were assassination plots over Jesus' life. He went away to pray. He knew the one thing that was needed was time with the Father, his good, good Father. And as he did that, he was able to live a life of incredible peace, just like we want to. So, lastly this morning, number three. And I really want to share this one with you because this came as a new revelation to me as I was studying for this message. Number three, don't forget the place that Jesus has in your life. When you forget the place and the role that he wants to take in your life, suddenly avalanches of fear, anxiety, worry, and trouble are going to come knocking on your door. And the problem is, is that when those worries come knocking, faith is not going to answer the door if you've forgotten the role that Jesus wants to play within your life. Let me explain. Jesus is 12 years old, which is the Jewish age to enter into manhood. His family go up to the Feast of Passover. They're up there in, in Jerusalem around that time. People estimate anywhere between 300 to 600,000 pilgrims came into the heart of Jerusalem. It was a bustling, thriving uh, city and a great time of celebration. And, and, uh, and three times a year, all the men and Jewish families were required to come to these feasts in Jerusalem. So the whole family's gone up for the Feast of Passover. Jesus is 12. They celebrate, they go home. One day's journey, they suddenly realize they've lost Jesus. How can you lose Jesus? <laughs> they've lost Jesus. And so they suddenly panic, and they rush back to Jerusalem, and it takes them three days as a parent, I want to ask you the question. If you lost your child over a three-day period, how would you be feeling? Most people would be out of their minds. A number of years ago, um, quite a number now actually, uh, this son is now 27 that I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a few years ago, but he was about uh, eight years old. And we were in the city of Brisbane. And uh, there was a shop that we wanted to go to for some kids' books, and it was in the mall. Unfortunately, as we're walking down the main street of Brisbane, the city, on the right-hand side was a thing called Time Zone. You know what they are? That's where the, they play games. And my middle son locked onto Time Zone, and all he could think was, fun, fun, fun. And he wanted to go to Time Zone. And I said, no, we're not going to Time Zone. 
we're going here. And so we just walked into the mall and, um, and uh, I said, just carry on family, the rest of the family, carry on, he'll follow us. And so we walked in and I waited for a couple of minutes and, uh, and he didn't come in. And uh, so I went outside and um, being the good, good father that I am, I went outside and he was nowhere to be found in the middle of a bustling big city in the middle of the day People everywhere, I'd lost my son. So I'll pick this up uh, in just a minute. So we get to the story in Luke 2, verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. He's been missing for three days. And his mother Mary said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? How many have said that to their kid? Why have you done this to us? Father and I have sought you anxiously. Mary and Joseph had had a major panic attack. Why? Because their son had been missing for three days. Fair enough. But had a major panic attack. But look at Jesus' answer. He said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Listen, friends. Mary was only too aware of the role that Jesus was to play in the coming days of his life. This is what the angel Gabriel said to her and prophesied over her when she was pregnant. This is what he said. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. This is a pretty power-packed prophecy. And he will reign over Israel forever. And his kingdom will never end. Mary and Joseph, in the midst of their panic-stricken season, had forgotten the role that Jesus was to play in their life. And you know what? When we forget the role that Jesus is to play within our life, that he's always about the Father's business, when we get stuck being about our business, we forget the Father's business and we get filled with anxiety. I must be about my father's business. We get confused. Our understanding gets clouded. Our comprehension gets lost. Our vibrancy in our relationship with the Lord goes down when we forget who Jesus is supposed to be within our life and we lose sight of the fact that he's always on the mission to do the father's business. And when we lose sight of the mission, when we lose sight of the father's business, then our hearts get filled with anxiety and filled with worry. So back to my story. Panic immediately set in. Anxiety levels were through the roof. When I'd lost my son in the middle of the city, I ran across the road to time zone thinking, flip that little kid, he's got guts, he's run across the street and he's run into, he's run into time zone because he wants to play those games. And I ran over there, he wasn't there. I was even more further panicked then. I ran back across the other side of the road and I felt the Holy Spirit say, stop. Stop. So I stopped and I stood still. The psalmist says this, be still and know that I am God. 
I stopped, I stood still, and the Holy Spirit gave me specific instructions on how to find my lost son in the middle of a big city. He said, go into the middle of the mall. Go past where you were shopping. Go into the middle of the mall. There's a food court there. And stand in the middle of the mall, and your son's going to come walking straight past you. It was, as, it was as explicit as that. So I straight away, immediately followed the, the voice of the Spirit, and I went into the middle of that big mall, far bigger than anything I'd ever seen in New Zealand. And I stood there, and within two minutes, this little boy with his head down, tears pouring out of his face, wasn't looking at anyone, didn't know where he was going, walked straight through the center of the mall, straight past me, and I was able to grab him as he walked past the mall. Up until I listened to the voice of God, I was in full-blown panic, worry, anxiety mode. Be still and know that he is God. Don't forget the place that Jesus has. Had you run a business? Is it stressing you out? Sit down at the feet of Jesus. Take some time and realize that Jesus wants to be in control of that business. Jesus wants to be in control of those rebellious children. Jesus wants to be in control of your personal life. And understand that in the middle of all that, when you give God the opportunity, give God an inch, he'll take a mile within your life. And place Jesus in the highest place. Seek ye first. Prioritize trust over all your worry. Kick worry out. Don't allow it a place within your life this morning. So as I conclude this message this morning, can I just ask us all to stand, please?